Welcome to the Betterism Podcast, a learning community seeking out life's unusual lessons from its unlikely places. I'm your host, Glenn Binger, author, teacher, and coach, and I'm here to help spark some collective growth. I hope you'll stick around and teach us a thing or two, but first, a few words from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Loud Coffee Press. Loud Coffee Press is a lifestyle brand and a literary magazine for creatives of all kinds. Um, they accept poetry, flash fiction, short stories, and art submissions. Um, and they're always looking for new, new artists to work with. They actually also just dropped an inspirational book made specifically for writers. It's called Creative Home. And I can't express how helpful it's been in my own writing process. Highly recommend you check that out. Um, and this is pretty cool. They're actually working on an RPG or a role-playing game called Eight Bells Bluff. They have a Kickstarter going, and they're trying to drop that for 2021. Super cool stuff. Um, so you can find them online. You can connect www.loudcoffeepress.com. All right, hi, friends. Welcome to the Betterism Podcast. You know me. I'm your host, Glenn. Today we have a special returning guest, Josh Dale, 30 West publishing house. Josh is a writer, as uh, a publisher, and a planet walker. Josh, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, Glenn. It's great to be back. Absolutely. So I figured we would start off with this this title, Planet Walker. I know you've been doing a lot of hiking lately. Um, where did that come from? Has that been something you've always kind of been doing, or is it like a pandemic thing that you kind of picked up? Where has hiking kind of come from, and how has it helped you? Well, the term planet walker was kind of just like something I thought up because, you know, people change their bios all the time. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I do like walking, hiking, especially. Um, but yeah, it just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I know when I was younger, I used to like go up to around the Poconos in Pennsylvania and, you know, go to like aunt and uncle's cabin stuff, just hang out, climb some rocks. And, but now, like now mm -hmm. that I'm an adult and, you know, the pandemic definitely played a part in like trying to reconnect with something. So in this case, I try to connect with nature more. Sure. And now I basically hike at least once a week, whether it's in like a like a little like park where they have like a wooded trail or like a state park with where it may have more like terrain to navigate. So it, it's been an interesting time. And yeah, it's good exercise, too, especially when you have to climb some steep hills and rocks and all that. Yeah. It's one of my favorite exercises. It's a uh, very grounding. Like I feel like whenever I go for a hike, it's um, it brings me back. You know, like it separates me from the the digital space that we all live in and encompass these days. How has it helped you? Have you found any like benefits um, that you can think of, either in your career, in your art, um, with Thirty West? Any anything kind of stand out to you? Um, kind of like how you said, like, it's a good way to ground yourself. I feel like by, you know, spending a couple hours outside in any capacity, I feel like really it does help, you know, re reconfigure your mind and how to like, you know, sit down and appreciate what's before you, whether it's the, the nature and just, you know, the weather, or it could be people doing other things in the park. Um, it's a good way to observe. So like, you know, it's kind of hard to people watch when, you know, people aren't around or wearing masks. Sure. So, you know, it's a good way to see people and like kind of like in their natural habitat, because, you know, in theory, we're all we're all meant to be outdoors in some regards. So 
I feel like it's been um, it's a good way to observe and to just like kind of feel like a sense of community when you're kind of just strangers in a park. But at the same time, it's like you're all there with some some sort of purpose. And that purpose is either exercise or just socializing or you know just enjoying yourself. And that's kind of how I like to compare and contrast with you know being outside and trying to make things, I guess, with my own career. I don't know, just um, just kind of letting it flow naturally and seeing how it goes from there. Yeah, that's cool, man. I I, uh, I like that it's a hobby that you've picked up. Um, and I feel like a lot of people have kind of reconnected with their enthusiast sides over the past, I don't know, 18 months now. I'm going on mm-hmm. going on 24 here um, since since, you know, COVID and everything. Um, do you ever when you when you are on a hike, do you bring like a notebook with you do you do any sort of writing or note taking or anything or documenting maybe taking pictures or are you just kind of like trying to be as fully present and engaged with your surroundings as possible uh that's a good question uh sometimes i'm i'm a blend of both like there's times when i bring my laptop so like i can maybe find like a a rest stop to maybe type something out or i have my phone either Mostly my phone's in airplane mode on my in my pocket, so that way I kind of like try to really disconnect. But sometimes I like to take pictures, especially if I'm resting or drinking water, you know. And but like I think in the grand scheme of things, like my goal is to kind of just enjoy it because you know working from home nine to five for the week, it's like all right, I'm in the house for at least five days. I'm obliged to be in here, so I like to spend at least like the first hour or so just kind of out with myself and then you know if there's a pavilion or a couple benches then i'll bring out the laptop and work on writing or editing or you know or just like maybe like maybe call a friend or something and feel like i'm back into the reality you know but at the same time it feels more i guess like more organic in a way because Mm. i've had all this time to myself and among nature and other hikers that may be out there even some animals i may see you know, so it's like a weird way to kind of like, it's almost like going into like a different uh, realm almost. That's how I like to look at it. Yeah. And you never when that, you never know when that uh, inspiration is going to hit either. Um, oh yeah. I, I know for me, like when I'm outdoors, it, it's, it's very much like a reset, whether it's here, you know, here at the beach or I'm on a hike or whatever. Sometimes I'll be doing something where I can't break the notebook out and I'll write something down or I'll try to remember it to write it down later. And other times, you know, I have my phone with me or my laptop, like you said, uh, something to kind of like record or document. Um, do you have any other or have you in the past, I guess, any other previous outdoory activities or is this kind of just something you just kind of picked up? Um, to this capacity, no. Um, I've actually have been like tracking like steps and miles walked and all that a little more often with my Fitbit and my phone and such. And I've been doing a lot more like walking and, and I, I like to cycle as well. And I've been starting to get hopefully back into mountain biking a little bit, but um, mm. yeah, it's kind of just, um, it's more or less like a thing for me. Like I like to do like stuff like this, like solo, but you know, if I ever get, you know, possible company, I wouldn't mind that either. But in the, you know, for me, I just feel like it's more of a, um, again, like a, a reconnection from, a disconnection from the normal world and a reconnection with the natural world. And, you know, I've lost some weight from it. So that's also a good thing. And hopefully I can continue to do that. 
Always a positive. The the fitness side of it. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, and, and I like the term too, Planet Walker. It sounds like a like a metal band or like a record <laughs> name or something. Oh, or yeah. like a like a single you would see, you know, on the on the chart somewhere. Planet Walker. <laughs> cool soon. man. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh all right. So this is kind of a left left step, left field sidestep. I don't I don't know, but not really. Uh, I know you had recently also finished your your grad work, uh all your classes. Last time we had spoken, you were kind of in the middle of that, which was a little strange with you know, <laughs> Zoom life, living on the screen and stuff. Um, now that you started to kind of see the other side of that, the light at the end of the tunnel, you kind of got through. Um, how has the process, now that you're kind of on the other end and you're finished up, how has it affected your life, either personally or professionally? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've gotten a lot more happier <laughs> just from <laughs> not having to worry about assignments and deadlines and all that. So, but yeah, that's good. at the same time, you know, being an academic, you do kind of miss it after some time. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm at the master level. So at this point it's like, oh crap, like I can either maybe go for an MFA or you know, do a PhD, but that just sounds scary, like very scary to me. Yeah, right. But um, I can attribute being in grad school to getting a, a new career started in technical writing. So that's definitely a, a A plus positive here. Um, I started that in January. And even though we're still doing all at home, you know, in Zoom conversations and all that, you know, it's it definitely feels more like where I want to be. And the the things I'm doing with not only my professional career, but just in general, just feel more aligned to this long, long journey I've taken since I was 18, you know, and yeah. So I feel like it's definitely uh, this is just like the incubation I feel. But once I fully get integrated to this new company and maybe if this is going to be the new lifestyle of, you know, working from wherever, you know, maybe pop in the office once a week. You know, I'm totally excited for that and looking forward to to utilizing that ability as well. Oh, sure. Um, how, have you had more time? I mean, I know with the hiking and stuff that kind of fills in some time, but like with the grad school kind of you know lessening the that work side of it the academia side of it the stress side of it the side that doesn't make you happy were you able to kind of like pull from the creative side to kind of like aid that happiness increase like were you able to kind of dedicate more time to writing or working with 30 west or even just for like hiking were you able to kind of like balance that out yeah, um, having not having any type of classwork anymore definitely frees up a lot of time. Um, but like, yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting situation because you know transitioning from in person to Zoom and having to not see your classmates or professors anymore, you know, you kind of lose that spark of creativity and just you know collaboration within the classroom. But even even being in Zoom, I still felt that camaraderie, and I think my professors that I've had during the pandemic, I think really tried to stress that and make sure like we still felt connected and heard mm -hmm. like every individual's heard. Right. But, um, it's, you know, in terms of my own creations, um, I've, I've been pretty, um, pretty productive ever since. Um, obviously my thesis, I was kind of like, I started off already kind of already up there cause I was working on a novel right. and I just really needed to have it edited by my advisor and, workshopped in a couple courses and all that but yeah it's I've been like trying to I think 
I've been looking to focus more on like longer works, like novels, novellas, and all that, opposed to just like like short stories every now and then or a handful of poems. I just, yeah, yeah it's been interesting because I'm trying to. I was, I'm actually like partially quoting a uh, Stephen Dunn, but he was. I remember on Facebook he was talking about um working on the album and not the single, and even though we, you know, we're, we're both writers, but he was bringing in that musical aspect and it really clicked with me. I'm like, wait a minute, you know, that does make sense, you know, especially in rock and metals world, like they may not have an album out for years, like three years, five years, right. even longer. And it's like, but at the same time, they're still being productive, even though they may be touring, they could be writing while they're touring or they just, when they're done touring, they don't take a break and they just go right to the studio. So in a way, like I'm trying to adopt that lifestyle because, you know, I love music and I fantasized once of trying to be a musician back in the day, <laughs> back when right. I was just a young teenager. But, you know, it's like that's an interesting concept. And I'm hopefully, you know, with writing, I can try to adopt that that ideology. Right. And the two go so closely hand in hand. I mean, I, I've always kind of seen things that way, too, as far as like the the single versus the album, you know, and it's, Mm -hmm. it's strange because now like current musicians lean a little more towards the putting out the singles now, because that's, you know, you get the streams on Spotify or YouTube or whatever, and that's those fractions of a penny add up. And that that's where the paycheck comes from as opposed to the album and the Mm -hmm. album really only, you know, if it's someone huge, like if it's like Eminem or Kanye or, you know, Incubus, whoever it is, if they drop an album, like, yeah, they're going to get streams, but these smaller bands that are still trying to be discovered, it's almost like the algorithm has kind of, um, how can I put this? Almost kind of push them to kind of get a single on a playlist somewhere as opposed to, you know, uh, rewarding that, that full album aspect of the ideology you're talking about there. And Mm -hmm. I find that that ties in really well with, with, with us, with writers. Right. I mean, like it's writing is not something that you can churn out every single day and have it be perfect. Right. Like you could do that with like a blog post. Sure. But when you're writing like a book, whether it's a collection of stories of poems or a novel or novella, like you're saying, like those things take a lot more time and given the way that society's kind of uh, rushed right now, it's like almost like you're not rewarded for that, those day-to-day pushes. H- mm-hmm. How do you in your own art or your own work, either again, either personally, professionally, how do you combat that? How, how do you like give yourself a little, you know, <laughs> encouragement or pat on the back to kind of keep going when you find yourself stuck in those moments from day to day of like, no, no gold sticker for today <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i know what you mean um well the good thing is like i've used my website to um kind of like push like a a weekly blog and i've been doing that since last uh may i believe and granted i haven't been doing it every single week because you know i need breaks or holidays sure. or i have to i have to get other books ready to publish and all that but it's been like kind of like a, a steady kind of thing. Like this week, I was supposed to have one this week. I actually didn't post one because I'm typesetting and uh, doing some promo for some 30 West books. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like a give and take. Nice. And that's how I've been doing things for a long time now since, you know, I've been doing 30 West for quite some time. But, you know, it's like a, um, it's a, I guess, like 
to obtain that gold star, I guess you have to be comfortable with what you want to accomplish. And that could be, that could be almost anything. It could be fixing a sentence that you think is really important, or it could just be adding a couple hundred words to a novel, or even if you get a burst and have like a couple thousand, you know, or maybe it's like, Hey, maybe I'll want to work out today instead of, you know, maybe writing, you know, and sometimes you making those other goals. And even if they're not directly tied into writing, but hitting goals is still something to be proud of. Mm. And even if it's not writing based, it's can still propel you forward. Like, you know, like I always like the, the forward progress, like in football, like it doesn't matter if it's a half a yard to the whole field, you know, it's like, right. if, you're, if you're going forward and not backward, that's typically okay. And regardless, if you don't have something to say about it or people to react to it on online, at least, you know, in your heart that, Hey, like I've made X progress in Y amount of time. So if the goal is to get to Z, then, you know, as long as you keep churning forward, there's really nothing to be worried about. And, you know, I've, I've also been trying to stay off of social media a little more, or just make my interactions more like, like personal with people, like friends and people I know, opposed right. to just like doom scrolling in the middle of the night, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, that, right. that's just not healthy for anybody. No. I've definitely noticed that too. The other thing I've, I've, I've noticed that the younger generations of creators and makers tend to kind of like social media tends to be, I, sh- I shouldn't even say social media, I should say the digital realm tends to be where they try to seek out that validation. But I think what we're trying to talk about is like having that self-validation, right? Like trying to come up with your own check marks, or your own goalposts for yourself regardless of whether or not other people recognize it. So you don't feel, you know, the imposter syndrome when you do finish something and it feels like you didn't really put in your best work or you don't really deserve it. I, I guess where I'm going with this is like, how, how do you define that criteria of the self validation? Like, how do I, how do you handle this? How's Josh Dale handle this? Like I did this, this, and this today. And here's my old gold star <laughs> sticker, you know? <laughs> Yeah, I guess um, kind of like tied into a current work in progress I have. I'm, I'm trying to write a novella in Flash. So like every mm. section or chapter is supposed to be super dense, like a Flash fiction piece. And sometimes my goal is to finish a whole chapter in one go, or sometimes it could be just maybe half the chapter just to get the plot moving. And like when it comes to like a specific project like that, like I feel like I'm like, I don't know, like tinkering with a motorcycle or a car, you know, like there's other ways that you can take a larger project. There's other um, venues, I should say, of like taking a larger project and slowly working at it because people do it all the time with maybe tangible things or creative things. So I, I try to keep my head focused into whatever project I'm working on. And that way it's like, all right, like if this is going to be my world for X amount of months or even years, I'm going to try to do my best to try to stay in this world as long as I can. And, you know, if I take notes along the way or like do like word counts or something, which I don't normally do, but sometimes I like to to check how many words are per chapter, or how many I do per night. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, I guess it's just keeping within a certain area of, of either it could be an expertise or it could be, you know, you're just starting with it. But I feel like if you just stick to it, you know, and if you need help, there's obviously forums and blogs or just people on the Internet you can chat with. But I feel like as long as you're not like just like it for me personally, I don't like like doing like, oh, I wrote 
500 words today and I expect to get like 30 likes or something. Like I don't, I'm not about that because I rather, yeah, right. I rather like at least like maybe have a small network of people I can talk to or maybe bounce back a couple, like a couple sections or whatever. I mean, that's just, that's just how an artist should work. I feel at least in the writing world, but like, I don't think I need to tell everybody every single step of the journey because then at the same time, it kind of, I don't know if it's like a weird parasocial relationship and, like people may be like, oh, I've been with you since the beginning. I remember when you wrote the first sentence, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if that if people are really like that. Right, <laughs> um, right. I, I mean, I'm sure it, that there's people that love doing that and supporting at that level, but I feel like it's like super like fixated on me, and and I feel like that's another thing with like to avoid burnout. I feel like like people need that time away from the spotlight or limelight, whatever. And I feel like if people get too much attention, that could also be detrimental to your craft or your artwork or whatever you're doing. So maybe just take it a little backpedaling or just going obscure for a month or so. And, and, but, you know, you still may be chatting with people, like I mentioned earlier. So it's not like a complete isolation or, or neglection, you know, just a kind of a way just to separate yourself from other artists to do your own work, you know? Mm, right, right. And I, I want to be clear too, like I'm not, I'm not trying to knock or uh, dismiss anyone who does kind of set those external validation criteria check marks. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because I know everyone operates on a different system of, of progress and oh, uh, product. But at the same time, I feel like there is always room to kind of see, and this is the reason I asked. So I, I feel like there's room to see how other people handle that system so, you know, someone could kind of listen to this conversation and like kind of take away like, oh, Josh does this. I'm going to give that a try. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like uh, for me, at least those those um, self validation check marks tend to be a little bit more motivating. And um, I want to say they, they feel better upon that reward versus the likes or, you know, the comments back or whatever it is. And again, I'm not knocking either side of that. But for me, I, I know it feels better when I know that I put my absolute best work into today's work, whatever today's work encompasses, whether that's, you know, building the website or editing a chapter or writing a new chapter. Um, how does this, I want to transition and kind of take this concept from, your creative work to your academic work how does this system kind of help you or i guess i should ask how did it help you um with your academia your, your grad work uh well when i first started grad school i was a little unsure what to expect um like granted like i read pamphlets and did like i guess we have to go back to the question you asked me i can't remember now yeah, um, we were talking about system work. How like your system for feeling accomplished transfers over into the academia realm as well as the creative realm. We were kind of talking about creative work, but how how did you find that to kind of link up with your grad school work? Okay, yeah. Um, um hmm. Hmm grad school well the thing is like a lot of my grad schooling was basically like writing um there was a lot of reading too like and a couple courses were a little different i guess um 
I was like doing like researching of bestsellers. So we were like, it was like a weird mix of like reading the best-selling books and also like analyzing how they became bestsellers, whether it was the author had some insane stroke of luck or was just a really good writer and got noticed really quickly or just how the book itself kind of took off once it was published. And I still believe in that whole philosophy. Like, you know, once the book is out there, literally anything can happen. So, you know, sometimes like if you feel like, you know, if you have a published book, it's not doing anything or it's kind of like going against the wayside. There may be a chance where maybe it does get picked up for review or you come in for an interview with a radio or another podcast or whatever, and something could launch from there, you know, but it's the fact that having the book out can really make a difference. Um, but yeah, when I was doing that, I was thinking like, well, like, as a publisher, like I want all my books to do well, you know, I want all the writers that have trusted me with their work to do well and have sure. some kind of career. So, you know, it's kind of just, again, you know, the whole forward progress motif, but also like, you know, don't be afraid to take chances either. Like, like you were saying earlier about like imposter syndrome and the, getting that gold star. Well, sometimes people are afraid of those things and, you know, they're afraid of being labeled an imposter or maybe be too timid to get the gold star. But sometimes you just have to kind of just not necessarily put like horse blinders on and just go for it, but maybe just like ignore what the critics may think and just mm. shoot your shot. You know, like wh who was it? Wayne Gretzky came up with that whole, like you miss hundred percent of the shots you don't take or something, yep. you know, and it, it translate with any creative work, like, or maybe it's like going to a reading where you, one of your favorite authors are there. Maybe a publisher is there like promoting an author and you want to really like the books that they publish. You know, that could also be a, a good way to get into a new crowd or a system of thinking that you can utilize hopefully for the, your benefit. But, you know, sometimes just having your ass on a seat, <laughs> you know, can, <laughs> right. can make, can make a big difference too. And, you know, seeing now that COVID is kind of waning down here in the States and people are, are taking more chances of doing readings and stuff, you know, that those possibilities are going to happen again. Those, those in-person connections or like, you know, if you travel for a reading and you meet new people or maybe even get like, you know, something published from it, you know, it's, excuse me, it's, you know, everything is possible if, as long as you hopefully make that attempt or shot or whatever it is that you need to do. Right. And I do want to, I would like to also emphasize not to, not to approach people out of the blue without some sort of invitation, right? Like don't, don't yeah. walk up to a, a publisher at a reading and say, here's my manuscript. Like they're not, that's, that's not <laughs> the way to approach that kind of situation. Yeah. Um, I agree. That being said, like it is, those kinds of things exist as networking opportunities. And, you know, it's like you, you listen to things like podcasts or you, you kind of observe what other people are doing with their work and how they're kind of uh, networking and linking up with people. And you kind of take tools for your own toolkit, right? Like there's no one right answer on how to approach that and how to develop your own system. The thing is you need a system. Everyone needs some sort of system to kind of work through that forward progress, that forward motion. So you don't become stagnant, whether it's, you know, your creative life, personal life, professional life, whatever it is, coming up with some sort of criteria to kind of hold yourself accountable for. Um, that's really what I, I know. That's what drives me. I, I would also argue that's 
how most human brains operate. Some sort of system is being followed. Um, you know, and with things that are a little more abstract, if you're not careful, you could turn something that's supposed to be conscious into your unconscious. And you, you really don't want to develop those unconscious habits of like walking up to a publisher and saying like, here's my manuscript. They're, they're going to throw in the trash, right? Like they're at a reading. They're not there to read manuscripts, right? So mm -hmm. I guess where I'm kind of going with that is how, how have you approached this um, I guess we'll say gentle stepping into the <laughs> post-pandemic life, more readings opening up. I mean, for a while we were doing like virtual stuff. Have you done live readings yet or are you still kind of in between? Uh, as far as with 30 West, we haven't done a reading since we, we did one on, we actually we did a couple that were on Zoom and all that. But as far as in person, um, I've yet to set anything up, but I feel like definitely soon with some of the later year titles, I think we're definitely going to have some things going on. Um, but, you know, it's like I don't think my network has really changed a whole lot. I mean, it could have shrunken or grown, um, you know, just from people maybe relocating or just doing different things. But, you know, I feel like I can still rely on the typical amount of community that I've met throughout my years in person and with other things to show up or you know at least like help promote things so that's always a good thing but as far as like the general i guess general public um i, I was actually at a reading that was a feature at a reading a couple weeks ago and i was in person and i'm assuming everyone there was vaccinated and you know it was a great time it was it was a good way to actually look at people in the face when you're doing readings and you know talking after or just like mingling around once the reading was over completely so I feel like it's like people want to get back into it. It's just like you want to make sure like, you know, you want to be in the in the situations that you were before or maybe maybe even some new situations. Maybe people have, um, you know, like grown since the pandemic or have learned some life lessons and want to do things a little differently, you know, and there's nothing wrong in that either. You know, it's because a good way to look at the whole pandemic situation in the arts is like, yeah, like you could also you could be doing a lot of work during it, but you can also like reframe your your mind and how you look at things, and maybe not take things for granted as much, you know. And mm. again, like showing up just to sit at a seat and making sure like that seat isn't void for the readers, you know. And sometimes that really does make a difference and a, a lasting difference too, especially if you're able to to speak with the art, the other artists, and all that. Yeah, I, I really miss those those environments i i have yet to do um uh, like a live thing a live event um since i guess <laughs> school ended so to speak you know with teacher life and all mm -hmm. um even stories by the sea I, you know i was kind of hesitant on like how to do it this year i i'm i'm thinking of i might be even just pushing it back to the fall i don't know might even go one more season we'll see with that but how did you was there like a, was there a vibe? Was it anything different? Like, could you feel like a collective wisdom of like post pandemic life or was it just back to normal? Mm, it felt like there was a lot more appreciation, maybe like a lot more focus for the reading I was at. Um, it wasn't a typical crowd that I normally hang out with, but you know, I knew the organizers very well. I didn't know the venue people, but after sitting there and chatting with them, you know, I, I feel like I made a good connection. So I feel like it's like a mix of both. Like, while like, I'm sure like 
career artists that, you know, this is their daily life. Like it may just seem like, okay, finally back to business and whatever they need to think about. There's other people that may be like, oh, wow, like maybe I should try to go to a poetry reading. Um, actually from that reading, the, the open mic actually had, a, I think a few writers that it was the first ever open mic at all. So it's like the fact that they got to, we got to experience wow. their first time doing this. You know, that that's also a special thing because it's like, maybe they were waiting until after the pandemic to actually try, or maybe they weren't going to try at all. Like, I don't, I don't know, but they did it. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think it varies between person, but I think the general, the general idea is like, yeah, like we want to be able to meet with friends again. And, you know, like I know like AWP is going to be in, in Philly next year. So I'm sure now, you know, after, after uh, this past year, it was kind of like a weird, like virtual only, uh, you know, conference. But I think this year mm-hmm. it's going to be huge because a lot of people just want to go back to it and, and feel comfortable with around, you know, like they're people, you know, they're, they're people or they're publishers, you know? Yeah. Right. So we'll see. Oh man. AWP. I miss AWP. <laughs> you got to come down this year then. <laughs> it's definitely closer. I, in the past couple of years, it's been like out of my, out of my expenditure, so to speak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Philly's Same. up. Philly's right up the alley, though. Home turf. <laughs> nice. Um, what What are you guys up to over there? It's been a while since we spoke about that. And again, don't feel like you have to. I know we're on a podcast. I don't feel like you have to give away any exclusive stuff. But what are you guys working on? Well, one thing I can mention is that we are finishing up with the fifth annual chapel contest winner, Noah Covo and her chapel common ancestors. So that's like our focus right now. I'll probably actually start printing the manuscripts and at, at my printer probably tonight or even tomorrow. So like that, that's been kind of like my focus, but we have other books in the wings too. Um, our, the website 30westph.com, you know, that has plenty of different updates and stuff. And there are some books that I haven't announced yet, or at least haven't put into the limelight, but we have the rest of the year definitely planned out and, like I was saying earlier with possibly having in-person readings, I think that's going to be a thing for a couple, couple writers as well. So it's definitely exciting. And I know I have a broadside contest I'm still reading through. So that's going to be interesting too, because I haven't done that in a long time. So I'd like to see how it will be received in 2021 opposed to, I think 2017 or even 2016. So it's definitely a, it feels like a new horizon, but it's also like, all right, look, I've done this before, but now I have more skills to make it even a little better. <laughs> so yeah, right. I'm excited. Has, has the has COVID has that created like a backlog of stuff for you in Thirty West and your team, or has have you were you guys able to like kind of catch up? Um. Well, I know it was like. Um. I'll tell you one thing, like regarding like my academics in Thirty West, like from december of 19 to march of 2020 was like the absolute worst like period of time ever because i was supposed to go to awp in texas and i had it was like our first like short well not our first short story collection but it was like a a very important one because it was a it was a repeat author that we published earlier so i was like i was trying Mm -hmm. to get through everything and class was starting to pile up and then COVID hit and it's like oh well everything's kind of shut down now so i'm like oh crap and, you know, so it didn't really like that. Once I got through that period, I knew I could get through anything. So, like, this year has been surprisingly super easy. Like, I've been on top of things. So, I guess, like, I was able to tackle projects quicker because I wasn't going around or out as much. But, like, last year, it was it was a challenge. But I think once you get over a hurdle like that, 
you know, and every, every artist has that hurdle or yeah. maybe multiple hurdles that you have to climb. But, you know, knowing I could do that, I feel like, all right, well, things seem a little easier. Granted that we're not going out and about like our daily lives, but now things are starting to kind of transition back to some sort of normal. I, I'm glad I caught up and it definitely is going to pay off by the end of the year. Oh, yeah, that's good. Uh, then That's ultimately why I asked, too, because I know like you know, New Jersey, Philly, New York tend to be at like 150 miles per hour always all the time. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the only time we, you know, slowed down to like double single digits was pandemic life. And then all of a sudden this summer kind of picked back up, um, which is tough, you know, for me as a, as a teacher, as a creative, as a writer working on all these projects, like I know I was able to catch up, but then as soon as things started to open up, I fell right back behind again. Um, oh, and man. I don't, I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if that's like a, uh, a dig at like my, my process or my mentalities because of like just how crazy the school year was. I don't, I really haven't pinpointed what it was, but I do feel as if there's, there was some sort of shift, right? Like there was something mm-hmm. that like kind of, um, forced me to adapt my creative process has anything changed for you since the last time we spoke a year ago, year and a half ago on the podcast? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, figure we're still technically in a pandemic, I guess, but uh, I don't yeah. want to speak on that exactly. But I know it's like now there's kind of like the end of the light of well, the end of the tunnels light is here. You know, I've noticed that I have been kind of, um, I guess more greedy with my creative time, if that's even a, thing Mm. like i was just kind of like like with hiking like for example like i i take time especially when i'm working from home i just literally just get up go to my car and go to the park instead of having to come home change eat dinner and then go so i noticed like my daily routine has gotten more friendly to my own goals and you know but granted like everyone's lives are different but i feel like when it comes to creatively like i've just been giving myself more time to work on my own stuff, but not to the point where I'm like, I feel like I'm just churning stuff out. Like that's why like I would take breaks on my blog and all that, because, you know, I do need to recharge. I do need to give, give it some time to simmer or just get to get new ideas, you know, and sure. by, by taking, you know, using the time that we gained, I guess, but not everyone was able to gain the same amount of time as, you know, like, like teachers, office workers, whatever, you know, like my father, for example, he works, he works two essential jobs, essentially. He had to work through this entire pandemic, you know, just with, with pretty low quality PPE, you know? So like, right. I can, I can respect that hustle, but also it's like, you know, he's trying to live too, you know? And hopefully now that the pandemic is winding down, he can go on his yearly vacation. Like he tries to do every year. So like, you know, that alone, like think like musing off of what my father was able to do kind of makes me think like, well, I have a little more time than him, but I also like, I don't have any PTO or anything. So it's like, how can I best maximize the time that I'm given from the situation at hand with, you know, but you know, sometimes, you know, you have to go through trials and to get through the trials gives you more introspection and all that. So it's kind of like a weird, weird mixed bag of things. Like, so, you know, there'd be periods when i would just sit down and be like well i can't do anything or i'm like worried about what i watch on the news or whatever yeah so it's like it kind of just ruins the mood or you know maybe i get busy at work you know it's so i I definitely took the most advantage i could out of all this extra time but knowing that moving forward it 
chances are things are just going to go back to the way it was before the pandemic. Well, I'm just going to have to reflect on this years from now and be like, oh, that was actually a good period, you know? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I think the, the continual realization of like things are just always going to be changing and you have to you have to adapt in order to thrive. I think mm-hmm. shifting to that mindset kind of sets you up. Doesn't make it easier, but it does set you up in a sense where you can you can kind of find your groove a little bit easier. You can find those those little things that help make your routine more more catered to you, like you were saying, like more catered to your own well-being, not not just like, you know, the full speed of society around you. Not that there's anything wrong with either side of that coin, but, you know, any kind of creative needs to have time for their, their work outside of their professional work, right? I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's a big piece. Um, what about 30 West? Has, has, the, um, has that speed shift affected it? I mean, I know you talked about it a little bit with grad school kind of hindering it, but if, if you were speaking on behalf of 30 West, like what was the lesson or the wisdom that you walked away with over the past year? Um, I would say definitely take your time because mistakes can happen when you're rushing through things or trying to hit like a crazy specific deadline, you know, and even if COVID didn't hit, I would still have been, you know, still kind of going through the motions of, you know, like, all right, I got X amount of books due on in this month or that month, whatever. But I guess like just taking more time to really just like get to know your clients or just get to know the community around you, I think is a good way to look at it. Um, like granted, like I used to host readings all the time years ago, like before the pandemic, the, mm-hmm. was when I hosted my last reading at a, at a bookstore outside of Philly, but you know, like maybe the chances of coming back and doing it again could, could be in the cards, you know, cause maybe the bookstore needs business again. So bringing people in, they, they eventually will buy books, hopefully, you know, so I guess with, with 30 West, it's kind of like, I mean, we we're, it's like a slightly less of a year than last year. I think last year was our biggest year yet in regards to just how many units we created, how many authors we published. Mm-hmm. But this year it's been a, a slight decline, but it's like at the same time, we still have a lot of big projects. Like uh, I think this is the first year we have chapbooks are, are the minority this year. So that that's a, that's a change. That's oh, wow. something to look into. Yeah. It's mostly like full length books. So, I mean, yeah, it's, you know, I'm trying to adapt to the market and seeing what people like to buy. So eventually, you know, 30 West will have to adapt too. And I feel like we're kind of in the motions of doing that. And from last, last year into this year. So let me, I want to dig in a little bit there. Um, what, what changes do you look for? I mean, now that you have, you've kind of shifted towards longer work, um, something that's not as serialized as a chapbook. Um, how has your, your work as an editor and publisher, how has that shifted between those two? Hmm. Uh, I know with like full length books, um, it's good to, um, kind of know exactly what you want because at least for us, like I can make chat books easily and, you know, I can basically print on demand with chat books, but full length books, it takes a little more time to plan everything. Like you have to do like the pre-publication promos and, sending out ARCs for reviews and obviously getting a cover and making the cover takes a lot longer than a chapbook. Cause you know, this is going to be on bookshelves everywhere. So you have to make sure like 
okay, like, will this look good on a bookshelf opposed to a chat book where it may not even have a spine, you know, and you just kind of like put into a cabinet or something, you know, so it's like full length books, you have to kind of look at the market more. And that's what I've been doing slowly throughout the year. And I'll definitely be doing a lot more once open the open call for um, unsolicited submissions open up in the fall. So it's just kind of like a slow learning process. And, you know, being a essentially a lifelong learner at this point, this is kind of how my life's starting to look, you know, I have to start really just slowly learning at things like, because when you start getting a little too comfortable, then you either start missing things or you start falling behind. And yeah, you know, the last thing for like a, some artistic venture is to be left behind, you know, and nobody wants that, especially when, it, when you're dealing with other people and trying to boost them up, you know, you don't definitely don't want to see them go down the hill. So, you, you know, it's a slow process, but you know, it's still forward progress and, I can't ask for anything more than that, you know? Right. Well, I mean, that comes with it. I mean, you said it, that comes with the title of lifelong learner, right? I mean, that's a, it's a gift and a curse. <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> thing because it empowers you, but it also, it can also set you up for very, very big challenges because you, you want to help other people, right? Like, I mean, especially running something like a, a press, a publishing house where you're working with other artists and their babies, and you know they're submitting what they think is their best work and you don't you don't really necessarily want to run it for your with for 30 west or or whatever it's like not necessarily a shot at the artist but they're gonna interpret it that way right because that's how rejection feels but you have Mm -hmm. to kind of like you kind of have to adjust how you are expressing that notion and i think that comes with that style of, of living that is lifelong learning, right? Like you have to like kind of help people understand like, well, this, you know, your work is good, but it just didn't fit at the time. And mm-hmm. it's, you can't say it that way. Cause how many rejection letters say the exact same thing, right? I mean, is there a, is there a line that you walk there? Do you have like, when you, when you're expressing a rejection letter to somebody else, how do you approach that with that lens? There's definitely, um, yeah, it definitely takes, I feel like crafting a good rejection letter is also an art form because I've, I've received rejections where they're actually like they're personalized or they just seem a little different than a form, even though they are a form rejection. Right. And, you know, you know, unfortunately 30 West does have form rejections and there's nothing I can really do about that. Yeah. It's part of the business. Exactly. But you know, when it comes to a manuscript that I really enjoyed, um, I'll give you an example. Um, there's a chapbook here called Taxonomies by Gina Marie Bernard. Um, oh, okay. When she submitted years ago to the chapbook contest, it was actually declined. And throughout the years, she kept trying. And eventually, we published it, like, not through a contest, but through, like, our main roster last year in, tw- in March of 2020. Right. So, like, that that gradual, I guess, buildup, because, like, the manuscript I feel like was hardly changed from the first time I read it to when I finally published it. I mean, granted we did do edits and all that, but yeah, the, yeah. the types of poems in there were generally the same themes. So I'm like, wow, like she really gave us this F like this trust to keep trying over and over. And granted, I have seen a lot of repeat you know, authors and writers try to submit to 30 West and I feel humbled that they keep trying, even though they may get rejected once or multiple times, you know, but it comes down to, I guess, just like, maybe there is a moment where it's like, okay, we need a chapbook on this or a full length novel about this. And 
we may see that come in at that right time. And then it's like, all right, this, this is exactly what we need right now. You right. know, and it, I feel like it's, it could be tough for like young presses. I mean, 30 West is still kind of young in the grand scheme of things, but you know, if you're, if you have like no idea what you're doing, you just really want to help other people. Sometimes it could be tough to figure out what you really want or when you need it. And I feel like once you figure out that formula, it's like, all right, what, what is my niche or, and when do I need it? Then I think that's when you can really start taking off and really building a brand or community or whatever you want to look at it. But, you know, I feel like learning those two needs of the press, not just your own perspective, but that does help. But if the press is, you know, the press is larger than the individual. So I feel like knowing what the press needs and at the right time, I think is the best way to look at it. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you, how do you develop your, your formula? And I'm not really asking specifically about your formula, but like, how do you, what steps do you take to develop that formula? I guess I'm asking for anyone out there who's thinking about starting their own press. Okay. Um, hmm. Well, I remember when I first founded 30 West, I was still an undergrad at Temple and it was kind of just like, Hmm, I'm trying to remember because it, it was so long ago. Um, I, I was in like a, I was in like this interesting, like it was like a weird like hybrid publishing slash theory course, and it was just kind of like figuring out what you like, how does a press operate from the bottom up? And I remember way way back there was a festival called Philalelia. I don't think it still runs anymore, but I was able to sit in at a couple. Uh, it was like a, it was like a little panel of small press publishers. I think some were from New York and some were local to Pennsylvania in general. And, you know, they were talking about like how they first started. Like some of them, I remember hearing like they, they dumpster dough for paper to print books on, or they would like Whoa. reach out to like the most, like the most highest levels of, of the literati to try to like get a blurb or something. And they just get swiftly rejected by their agent, the writer's agent or something, you know, but I feel like, you know, even though like it could be a beginning thing, you know, it's still like, it's that, uh, I guess that, that ideological push that you just want to like, all right, I know exactly what I want to do or like, maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but I just like the, I like the journey of it. You know, and I feel like every journal or press kind of has its own path, but there are some journals and presses that also know exactly what they want to do and they gravitate towards the exact type of crowd they want, you know, but you know, the good thing about small press is that not only do you have, I mean, it's not like New York or LA or any, or any big hubs where it's like they want a specific type of writer, specific type of background, et cetera. There's plenty of small presses for plenty of different writers, you know, and I feel like if you can find your tribe, so to speak, or, a certain press that real that publishes a writer you really like, and maybe you align with that writer or press, you know, it's kind of like a weird dynamic or like a psychic connection. Like, all right, maybe they will be good for me, you know? And, yeah. Right. Right. But you know, it's easier to, to shoot that, that Wayne Gretzky shot with small press than a big five or however four, however many they have now at this point, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah, for so. sure. You definitely, as a writer, you have to work your way up to those. You can't, you know, write one short story and then start start aiming for those the big boys. You know, you gotta have to kind of work your way up because there's a, there's definitely a learning curve on the back end of things. Like I know when I first started writing and trying to get things published, I had no idea how to write a inquiry letter or a cover letter. Um, even with my first like full length manuscript, I you know sometimes I would get rejection letters back that would 
comment on how well the work was, but the thing that they really drew them away was like the, the inquiry letter was just like unprofessional. And I, mm. you know, I attribute that to my own uh, lack of wisdom and experience there. And uh, of course, since then I've learned and I've gotten better. I'm still growing. I'm not perfect, but I have gotten better since those first couple of rounds. Um, what advice would you offer for somebody who's kind of starting off in that realm? Being that you run a successful publishing house and you deal with um, aspiring writers, uh, established writers and authors pretty much on the daily, what advice would you have for somebody who's looking for the first couple times here to put out an inquiry letter, manuscript, trying to get published, that sort of thing? Okay. Uh, I would definitely recommend uh, looking at templates of either inquiry letters or just like your typical submissions. I think that can go a long way just to try to emulate the typical style. Um, I know for like 30 West, like we don't have like a specific cover letter that we require, but when it it comes to like a longer book, we may want a synopsis. So there's also ways to write a good synopsis that you can look up online, hopefully for free. And not have to pay for some website to, you know, so you can download it or whatever. Yeah. Um, obviously, research the journal. Make sure they're legit. Make sure they're not like vanity run and just want to take your money up front and never hear from them again. Or, you know, hear from them in like six months and the book looks like crap, you know. Like, you want to make sure to stay away from those. Uh, I think there's a, um, I think it's called a like writer's beware. I think it's like kind of like a running blog of... Oh, yeah. It's like a site of like known offenders that like you definitely need to avoid and maybe some that that are like under the radar that are like are different like emails you may receive that may be spammy or or like phishing you know so there's other there's other resources to to stay safe and keep make sure you're not getting you know, cheated or or have stuff stolen directly you know like your ip stolen from you intellectual yeah, property right. not necessarily ip address that'd be pretty creepy <laughs> yeah right right um well stay away from the vanity presses i mean that's i mean that's my word of advice right there is like nothing wrong with it if you're running a vanity press you gotta not try to knock but if you're trying to if you're really trying to take that big step and you want your work out there try to avoid those vanity presses because they tend to be those repeat offenders <laughs> mm-hmm. and a lot of like major like publications they like if you submit a book to them and they and it's like has a label from a vanity press they may not even take a look at it you know, yeah. same with like self-published, unfortunately, a lot of like the big elite level journals, they don't, they don't take them, even though that's, that's kind of a cop out because it's like, oh, they don't have an agent and self-published, like, who knows, you may find a good self-published writer. I mean, granted, they, they obviously get thousands of books a week, I'm sure, but oh, you sure. Know, it's like, I don't know, I just feel like it's definitely redlining to some ex- extent, but you know, like you were saying, you know, sometimes you do have to start making those steps, you know, like careers aren't made in a day, just like Rome wasn't built in a day or whatever. Right. You know, but like, yeah, I would definitely, um, what was I saying? Like research, stay away from vanity presses, um, you know, and just making sure like you're comfortable with your work because I know like, like during like our editorial phase, like we definitely give a good back and forth between us and the authors. But like, if you say, if you submit something to us and like a month later, you want to retract it and give a new draft, like th- that's probably not a good sign because that means you're actively kind of tinkering with it. And when it comes to like the editorial process, like if you do things like that and we don't know, like we may miss something or there may be like a plot hole may change, like like you would submit like an edited like plot and we may not realize it's edited or we have other version we're working with 
doesn't have the edits, so then there's like a major issue with that, like coordination issue. Yeah, right. So I would definitely just make sure whatever you submit is exactly how you want it, when you want it. And if it gets picked up, then you kind of get the little more of a grace where like, okay, I was thinking about changing chapter eight or whatever, you know, and then, then you can actually work with them. But if, when you keep going back and forth, which I don't think I've ever seen that happen, but I've heard about it happening before with some other uh, editors, just definitely make sure to submit the, the final draft that you're comfortable with. Yeah, I think that's your... You see that all the time too in the uh, submission guidelines, right? Like submit your best work. Like it's not in all of those guidelines for no mm. reason, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Definitely. And I think the other thing, I would, just to kind of bring this full circle, the big thing too, you know, don't let the rejections, because you're going to get a lot of those, but don't let the rejections and the pile of rejections you're going to get discourage you. If mm-hmm. you're using those as the external valid validation, like we were talking about, like that's only going to do you more harm than good. You have to kind of take those little wins, those gold stars, like we were saying earlier, uh, where you can find them. Sometimes it's just, you know, sometimes it is a rejection letter, but the person said, we liked your work. It didn't fit with what we're aiming for. Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that is the gold star. Not always, but you have to kind of take those where you can and use them and kind of turn them into fuel for your own fire oh, I, think that's, um, I think it's pretty important to kind of maintain that that mindset right that lifelong learner mindset too um, because that can be applied to anything whether you're starting a press you're an aspiring writer uh, you're an athlete you're a musician you're in a band whatever it is like you have to learn from those experiences you have because that's ultimately what life is it's a plethora of experiences trying to teach you <laughs> Oh, yeah, definitely. And you, you definitely do a good job outlining all that, especially with, like, uh, listening to your podcast. You know, it's, you definitely get through a lot of content, but also it's, a, like, the way you reflect on the content or the way you interpret it, you know. And sometimes that's, well, that's what you need to do, like, um, coming back to um, collecting rejection letters. Like, I know people who, like, like throw parties for, like, their 100th rejection or 500 or whatever, <laughs> you know. Or just, that's cool. Or they buy a case of beer for every, like, like if you say you submit to a contest and it equals, like, a case of beer, then you buy a case of beer when you, you know. Right. Or just, you know, just, you got to make it fun. Because if you just sit here and collect rejection letters into, like, a, a no pile and you just sit there with your, like, your head in your palms, like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. You know, it's like, you're not going to, unfortunately, you're not going to get anywhere with that mindset. And, you know, Granted, like, when I first started submitting writing, like, I was submitting, like, the Kenyan Review and Paris Review. Like, I didn't know what I was doing, you know? Yeah, I right. Was getting, I was getting those, those those rejection letters months later. I was like, oh, wow, this sucks. And, you know, getting – I also got critiqued by a professor, a couple of professors in a group of, like, a, like a, on my undergrad journal. Like, it was like, kind of like a weird, like, round-robin kind of, like, reading period. Yeah. And I got rejected swiftly, even though it was technically anonymous, but it was – probably obvious that i was i was the only one who voted maybe, so it was <laughs> most likely my piece everyone else voted no you know right. so it's like you know you just eventually you have to you have to hit those hurdles like i was mentioning earlier but those hurdles aren't meant to cripple you they're just meant to kind of you have to be able to jump them over time you know if it takes right. you a month to a year or even longer who knows but if you can jump that hurdle in the future like a lot of artists end up doing to get further in a career then you know, that's all you need to do. And eventually it's like practice makes perfect, just like any craft. Yeah. And eventually with enough of those hurdles, that's that's when you start to develop your formula or your system 
Oh, right? yeah. I mean, those those are the things that ultimately shape your your path, and you have to choose like which ones are worth keeping there and which ones are you know trash. Get rid of them. I think Definitely. that's important. So yeah, yeah, like for every acceptance, you have to realize like, for, well, not just your own, but other writers you may see. Like for every acceptance they may get, they may get dozens of rejections, or they may have written this that story umpteen times you know just to try yeah. to figure out how to make it work or maybe they wrote a couple other stories that that they know is crap and they'll never publish you know but sometimes you need to write those crappy really bad stories novels whatever to get to the one that gets published you know yeah right <clears throat> absolutely definitely all right josh man um i i think this would be a good place to kind of transition over fire um Perfect. you ready for this Oh yeah, super. So, early. just to remind you, I know it's been a while since we were on the show, but uh, it these I call them rapid fire questions, but they do no no need to be rapid fire answers. You can take as long as you want. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So the first question is, what are you currently reading right now? Uh, could be audiobook, could be physical book, but what are you uh, what are you into at the moment? Oh wow, that's that's actually a lot of drama here because. <laughs> uh... You I got a lot. Shelved, I shelved the book. It's I actually just pulled it off my bookshelf. It's called The Melancholy of Resistance by uh, Laszlo Kraz. I don't know how to pronounce their last name. I had to put it down. I was just I was just like because um, you know my mind is so back and forth between you know publishing projects and my own projects, and I'm trying to read this book, and it's just like oh my goodness, it's a slog. Like it's if you can anyone listening to this, if you want to, if you read that book, definitely let me know how it is because I don't think I'll ever finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but um i i but in return i picked up uh tony morrison's the bluest eyes so that's going to be my new uh, read right now that's a great book mm-hmm. i mean yeah, i'm excited to get into it uh what you did with the other one to put shelving it putting it back kind of thing i that was me an infinite jest i don't that's one of those <laughs> books i don't think i'm ever going to finish it i think mm-hmm. i've i've tried to pick that up and read it i in the past 10 years I would say 20, 30 times. And each time I'm like, Nope, Nope. Try again later. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. I think that's how I'm going to look at this book. (laughs) I don't know. It is what it is. It's not, you know, not every book is for every person. We know that. Oh, definitely. Um, cool. All right. So next question, what's your current favorite dish? What are you, uh, eating, cooking for yourself these days for friends, families? Um, Mm. got any favorite things? Last time I think we talked, you were in, you were knee deep into the the Wawa reviews last time, but <laughs> I know we're beyond that. Being COVID life's kind of died down. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, well, funny enough, like um, you know, with dieting and losing weight, I can't really eat a lot of Wawa products anymore. So right. the Wawa reviews have kind of been shelved, just like yeah. the, the book. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've been um, essentially like I'm really into like Chipotle and Qdoba, so I've been uh, making mm-hmm. my own like burrito bowls. Um, you know, nothing crazy, you know, just like chicken, beef, or even like, um, uh, impossible burgers and all that, you know, with beans, um, hot sauce, guac, uh, corn, peppers, you know, the whole typical fare. Yeah. Uh, that's been actually a pretty good staple of mine lately, just making those burrito bowls. Cause the, you know, I can make maybe four different, like four bowls per cooking session. So it's like four meals right there. So it's yeah, right. money and tastes fucking great <laughs> so yeah right yeah it's good for the meal prep too you know like oh, yeah. last the whole week and it's that's one of those meals too like I, 
it'll last the whole week and every time you eat it you're like this is awesome i i'm not sick of this at all <laughs> oh yeah i, I can eat burrito bowls burrito bowls forever now <laughs> cool um all right and then third final question don't feel like you have to go profound but you're more than welcome to uh, what's one life lesson you want listeners to walk away with today? It could be from our convo or it could be something else. Maybe you've been living by lately or thinking about pondering, but what's one, uh, one life lesson. I would say, um, kind of regards to everything we said, um, definitely take some time for yourself and be greedy of it. If you have to, like obviously obligations with family and close friends and other and work, you know, can be a thing, but you know, if you have, open space and you know you have the time to do whatever you know you've been thinking about something you know just just try doing that instead of you know just loafing around i mean we all need to recharge but if you put something off too long then you never know where it's going to go because you never touch it so i would just you know be be more conscientious with the time you're given and be greedy if you're an artist to work on your projects because who knows that may be the only time you can do it is that weird flux between a pandemic or between jobs or between, you know, obligations. So that's what I would say. That's excellent advice. Great spot to leave off on. <laughs> Josh, <laughs> man, um, thanks for coming on the show again. I appreciate the time. And again, I'm, I am so sorry about the technical difficulties. We were glitching out <laughs> beginning, middle, end of this episode. Um, where can listeners find you online? Where can they connect with you, reach out, uh, check out 30 West, any of that stuff? Sure. Well, thanks again for having me. It's definitely an honor to be on here twice now, so definitely highly appreciate that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, basically under Writes, or my website, joshdale.co. And the CO is important because .com is actually taken by some lawyer in California, so it's <laughs> So if, unless you want, unless you need help with a legal case, you can go to him. <laughs> .co is for me, and then uh, thirty west is thirty west, all you know, spelled out, you know, not three o ph dot com, and that has you know plenty of things going on. I just updated the site a week ago, or yeah, actually a little under a week ago. So there's definitely new things happening, and you know, thirty west ph on Instagram and Twitter. You know, who knows? Maybe we'll see you at a reading at some point when we finally start hosting them again. I'm hoping so. <laughs> great all right josh um again grateful for your time uh we'll connect again soon have a great rest of your night man thanks you too glenn it was a pleasure yep yep later see ya well that's it friends thanks for tuning in i hope to swing through again if you'd like to reach out uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us online at medium.com slash betterism. Be better at whatever it is you're building. And remember, friends, stay learning. <laughs>